welcome to the fifth one-on-one podcast. My name is Zorro Daddy, and today I welcome ABDLer, Dipster, Kinkster, Muncher, Chomper Cruncher, Hands-On Builder, Facilitator, Workhorse, more powerful than a 20-mule team, able to leave buildings in a single bound, Gummy Bear Aficionado, Little Dreamer, one of my best friends, and oh so much more, Little Philly. Hello, Little Philly. Hello, how are you today? I'm so good it's bad. How are you today? I'm great. I'm glad to be here. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Now, in episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, Little Philly and I (laughs) will separate the myths from the lies. The gummy bears from the gummy worms, that's an important one. The cloth from the crinkle, that's even more important. And we are going to attempt to reinvent the wheel. Well, okay, maybe we won't get some of that done, but we'll try at least. Now, in a one-on-one podcast, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go through a checklist of topics that cover different subjects, and we'll offer up some thoughts about each item, and well, hey, if more conversation is fostered, that's great, but if not, we're going to move right on to the next checklist topic. Now, regardless of our statements, we're going to give our points of view about a topic without attacking each other, even if we don't see eye to eye on things. I kind of think too often the way people view others who don't see things the same as them is to view those people in the worst possible light. And though it's just my opinion, I really don't think that's right because everyone is entitled to have an opinion. So today we are going to discuss different opinions without going for the kill, unless it really gets personal. And sometimes that happens between Phil and I. So there are two big points to bring up before we get started. Number one, What you're going to hear in this podcast are our opinions. That may sound like me being a broken record, but I state it that way to lead right into big point number two, which is this. We are not going to present our opinions as fact. Because sometimes people do that. They present their opinions so passionately that they come off as sounding like they believe their opinions are the truth. Though that may not have been their intentions. We will not be doing that today. You ready for this, Chief? I'm ready when you are. Now's your last opportunity to run, because after this, you are done for, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Feels like whatever. Get on with it, Nate. Okay. The first topic is origins. Now, a lot of times I'll ask a guest, hey, just whatever you want it to be, uh, just have it pertain to the ABDL. But with you, I know there's two distinct answers that you could give, so I'm going to take yours for the first time ever, and I'm going to actually give a few uh, adjectives to it. So origins, first with regards to how your ABDL started, how it was you were like, hey, you know, I'm feeling this way. And then part two of it would be when you discovered and entered that which we know as the community today. So what are the little Philly origins? Oh, boy. Well, it all goes back to a time (laughs) long, long ago when I was a wee lad. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I can't okay. exactly put the you know the day the time the hour on it, but I think I was, and this is my own you know my memory you know from that time and I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure but it seems to me it was around the age of six or seven that I really started to explore it but I think it actually started younger 
but it wasn't necessarily diaper related yet. I think there was still a wanting to regress backwards because I had a teddy bear. And I remember just, you know, for a kid that was five or six, I think it was more important to me than it probably should have been at the time. So I think it started somewhere around there. And um, I was able to get diapers because I stole them from our church nursery. Um, <laughs> uh, which, which was really okay. easy because I lived at a church because <laughs> my my dad is actually a, a preacher, and um, right, right. So I, I had access to the church nursery, and and um, you know there was diapers in there, there was uh, toys in there, there was a crib in there, there was all kinds of stuff in there. That's how I first got my diapers. It was from the church nursery. What kind of diapers were they? Was it like a specific brand, or was it just like whatever they came up with, or? I believe it was Loves, if I had to say. I, I can't 100%. They were okay. pla- they were plastic-backed at that time. Right. Um, most of the diapers still wore. Right. The um, reason I ask that is it, it, that will pertain to something we're going to talk about probably in about 45 minutes on this thing. I'm sorry. Continue. And so I put diapers on, and I liked being little, and I liked regressing, and I would sneak them, you know, into my room and put them on at night, and that's kind of how it all started. And uh, from there... Wait, wait, did you ever climb into the crib? Um, I did. There you go. And the bottom okay. fell out. <laughs> the... Oh, no, it didn't. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it actually did. It was, it, it was a very cheaply made crib, and it had kind of like a particle board bottom, and it just kind of like fit into these grooves, and if, if too much weight went in the center of it, it would just drop through. Well, being as you go with your hands, uh, I'm now wondering, did you just fix it at the age of like six or oh, something? Or, you know? Yeah, I did, actually. actually I pushed, yeah, of course you did. Pushed the it, first project. Pushed the it back First in. project Little Philly ever made right there. But yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So it continued. Like I started with the whole binge and purge thing, right? I did it and then I felt ashamed for doing it. So I got rid of the stuff. And, right. Um, but every time the intensity got more. So, you know, I would go looking and, and, you know, eventually I started buying diapers. And, you know, when I was a little bit older, there was actually a CVS drugstore less than maybe like an eighth of a mile from where I lived. And I could go through the woods and come out basically at CVS. So I would go in there whenever I had any money at all. And I would buy like the cheapest, smallest pack of diapers I could find. Oh, how cool is that? That one, the, the, <laughs> yeah. And I would go through the woods, and you know, but I live in a very lived in a very small town of maybe right, 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 right. You know, there's like five thousand people total. You know, I know everybody there pretty much, so it was very hard to do. So like, I had to go in the store, and I would have to like go down every aisle and look and make sure there's nobody in there that I know. And right. it, it was quite an ordeal to deal with. And there was one time I got the pack of diapers to the front of the store, and I'm in the aisle. And I'm like peeking around the corner to like where the cash registers are, you know, to see if there's make sure there's okay. nobody there. So and I start to walk up to the cash register and in the door comes somebody that I know. So I just had to like turn around and take them and put them right back on the closest shelf I could find and walk out. And they didn't see me, thankfully. But I had a lot of those, you know, near miss experiences that happened. And uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's sort of like ABD on Mission Impossible right there. You right. Know? So I dealt with the whole binge and purge thing that was tough, but I I stayed with it. I never totally gave it up or anything. As I got older, I turned 16 and wanted to join the fire department. Oh, The fire department wouldn't let me until I was 18, but the ambulance corps had junior members that could start at 16. So I signed up and I joined that and I took some courses in the whole nine yards. But the reason I'm saying this is they had a computer there. 
And this is basically right at the birth of the internet. Okay. And we didn't have a computer at all at home, and we wouldn't for you know many years later, but there was a computer there. And the internet had just come out and just became like a thing. And, and there was another member there who had an AOL subscription. And oh he gave me his password so I could go on the internet. Like, I, you know, and it, there was like nothing. There was like one screen that I remember of like things to go to. Like it, there was like almost nothing on the internet, but there were AOL chat rooms. And oh my, I found okay. myself in a chat room. And I'm looking, and I'm not actually participating or anything. I'm just watching, you know, what's going on. And I see people talking about diapers, ABDL. Mm -hmm. And that is where I found the community. And that is where I'm like, holy crap, there's other people out there. And that was at the age of 16. Oh, my God. I, I know I have you by a couple of years, but that was actually still younger than me. I want to say for you, that was like 95 or 96, somewhere thereabouts. Or yeah, somewhere that a bit that, early? Somewhere in that range. It would still be like another two or three years for me beyond that. It was like 98, I think, when I first stumbled across it. Okay, so that actually fosters two questions. The first one relates to exactly what you did with that. Number one, okay, there are other people. What are the thoughts going through you? What are the emotions going through you? And then what did you do with it now that you know something exists? Well, I mean, it took some of the binge and purge, the thoughts of being broken and stuff. It took some of that away, but not really. That wouldn't go away till quite a while longer. But it gave me a sense that, okay, I'm not the only person out there that likes this kind of thing. And I was there. Uh, I was there for a couple of years that I was part of that. And, you know, the it was still the computer. The Internet was still growing. And we didn't have a computer at home. I had very limited access to the Internet. And I started looking at the same thing a lot of young boys do porn <laughs> well <sure>. and uh <laughs> so we and, all get and, there at some point you betcha <laughs> the curiosity if nothing else and uh we actually have a local adult bookstore um not local to my little tiny town but like you know a few towns over uh there was an adult bookstore and you know i i looked in some of the magazines and stuff and there was at that time there was articles about abdl in there and diapers, diaper fetishes. And so, you know, I found out more information there. And there was no real community, anything going on at that time that I knew of. I believe there probably was. I just wasn't aware of it. So by that time, I was old enough to drive and buy adult diapers because baby diapers didn't fit anymore. And of course, I went through the whole thing where you're taping two together or three together and trying to make one big enough to fit you or making your own out of white trash bags, kitchen garbage bags. <laughs> paper towels you bet but um i was able to start driving so i was able to access more stuff but i still wasn't able to access people right and that time would come like as the uh what's, what's a good term for it as connectivity on the internet blossomed and as a lot of different sites come to be suddenly we do have even if it's just a message board even if it isn't something live like I recall a lot of conversations i would have i always go back to the big one for me daddy'sgirl.net I would put something up on some thread or whatever, and it was a very archaic thread and not, nothing fancy to it. I would put something up and I'd wait for a minute and then I'd hit refresh and somebody would have, you know, would have replied to it. Like chat rooms I wasn't really privy to yet. They did exist, but it wasn't happening for me. But I, I wanted to ask about uh, Binge and Purge. You mentioned that. Now, there's a lot of folks that to this day go through it and they're into the adult years. You were mentioning having the Binge and Purge when you were a lot younger. 
What exactly did that entail? Well, I would actually acquire the diapers. I would wear the diapers. Then I would feel guilty about it and get rid of them and then try to not do it for as long as I could. And then eventually I'm like, I, I really need to do this. And then I would go out and find more, you know, and do it all over again. And it was it was a cycle of yeah. partaking and then trying to abstain from partaking okay. and, right. and beating oneself now, was, was up Was there a trigger it. to it? A trigger, right? A tri right, a, absolutely. A trigger to what? Well, a trigger to what would make you binge once again? Would it be walking through that nursery like on a Sunday morning, or no? I mean, was there something that that fostered it? Like, hey, I need to do this again, or did, was it just a thought that came back? It just naturally was always there. It, wow, it, it was always there. But as I got older, I could fight it more sometimes, and I actually went about a year and a half without doing it at all. Which, That's impressive. Which is a pretty long span, but I was miserable. Right. Right. Well, okay. That I call an origins answer right there. That's really amazing. I almost want to call that a world record. A year and a half, you're like, nope, it ain't happening. I think I might have gone three months once, you know, where I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to write something. No, I'm not going to download more pictures of Britney Spears and fake diapers. You know, like I, I think I had a three month span. Right. All righty. Well, thank you. Now. This is my favorite answer, or I'm sorry, my favorite question. This is my favorite question, though normally the favorite question is the peanut butter one because that just drives people bonkers. The answers that they give are something else. But you and I both agreed to creamy, and I believe we mentioned that answer in the very first episode of the Crinklecast, if I'm not mistaken. That answer's already come up. So the question to ask you is this. What is something most people don't know about you? Digging deep into the bag of uh, secrets. Mm, boy. Um, something most people don't know. Um, well, I'm, you know, I'm kind of an open book, so I have a lot of things, you know, on FetLife that I'm into, even even vanilla stuff like metalworking and, and that kind of thing. Right. Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, it is, like, especially when it's, like, right on the spot, too. I could throw up random stuff like, you know, I have a collection of fire department mugs, which, you know. Oh, wow. Like, no, OK. All right. Now, that's interesting. I collect antique tools. I like to restore antique tools. You like to restore them? You mean like back to the point it could be used? Yes. Yeah. Like I'll find an old antique tool that's completely rusted and, and you know, seized up and I'll take it and either sandblast it or depending on what it is, finish it in some way and, and bring it back to its original state. But, Back to its glory. Right. So, you know, that's interesting. But I like antiques in general. Like, there's a lot of antique things that I that I like and collect. So that's that's one thing that probably people don't know. I mean, there's there's <laughs> there's a lot of things. Um, it's it's there's there's a lot of different things that people don't know. My five years of modern dance with Twyla Tharp. Nobody knows about that. Well, now they do. No, I'm joking. Now they do. I'm just joking. <laughs> it's one of the more interesting questions. When I started doing these crazy podcast things, I was like, I'm going to find some neat questions. And I actually went, I got online and I was like, what are some neat things to ask? And that was one of the first ones because it, it's a question that really doesn't come up unless it is prompted, I suppose. You don't walk up to somebody new and like, hello, my name is Nate and you are uh, such and such. Okay, what's something somebody doesn't know about you? That's never really a question that comes up all that often. So I was like, that's a really neat one to ask. And I think it was the last episode or the one prior to that. That was because I always answered this question myself. That was the point PA Daddy says to me. He says, you know, Nate, you're eventually going to run out of them. I was like, yeah, that's true, but I haven't yet. However, this is the one and only question that I myself do research on every time because I have to sit and think about it to, to really come up with the answer. 
But I did come up with one more. I don't know if I'm actually going to have one in the next episode when it's with Curry. But this time I still have one more. So uh, something that, that most people don't know about me is that I cannot be without socks on my feet for very long. Wow. Like it, it's to the point where if like the idea of, oh, it's barefoot, it's a wonderful day, uh, it's a wonderful, you know, sunshine, summer day. I cannot be without socks. If I could find a way to wear socks in the swimming pool and in the shower without them getting dry or with, I'm sorry, with, <laughs> without them getting wet, I would do it because I cannot be without socks. Like when we go to when we when we go to a convention, let's say we're gone for a week. I'll pack as many shirts and, and jeans and whatever else that I need. And then I will pack three pairs of socks per day that I will be gone. And like that, it's like it loads up the one side because I can't be without dry socks on my feet. Even if like, say I go to like some like naked person's convention, I would be wearing socks. Craziest thing. Alrighty. Now I'm going to put you through a little rapid fire here, Phil. Sure. Okay. Checklist topic number three is called choose one. All righty, I'm going to give you a list of things here, two at a time. And what I want you to do is pick one. It doesn't necessarily mean you pick one you like more, but but more often than not, I assume that's uh, that's why you would do it. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to say anything more. I'm just going to give you two items and you tell me which one that, uh, which one you want. Okay. okay, here we go. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Good man. This is, this is why we're friends. Good job. All righty. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Oh, I'm going to say there's no wrong answer. I understand that. But I'm going to say you're two for two. All righty. Here we go. Vodka or rum? Um, <laughs> if we're talking about just drinking it straight, it would be rum. If we're talking mixing right. it in a drink, it would be vodka. All righty. Well, then along those lines, bourbon whiskey or scotch whiskey? Scotch. Okay. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Very good. Now, this is the toughest one. And I put this in here like specifically. I was like, what would, what could I ask Phil? Here we go. Are you ready for it? This one's going to be a challenge. Gummy bears or perfect health? Jeopardy theme music playing in the background. Uh, <laughs> I think I could uh, give up gummy bears for perfect health. That, no, that's massive sacrifice right there. I'm impressed with that. I truly am. It is. All righty. This next one, this next one, obviously, I, I'm sure you could figure it would be there. Stallone or Schwarzenegger? Um, oh, boy. I would have to oh, boy. say Stallone, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah. You're not just saying that for my sake, Art. No. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Okay. All right. How about this one? Having more time or having more patience? More time. More time. Very good. You need less patience if you have more time. <laughs> I knew you were going to read into that one. Okay. Cookies or ice cream? If they're the right kind of cookies, cookies. Cookies? Okay. Yep. And finally, pizza or chicken fingers? Oh, those are those are my two favorite foods. So, um, but if I had to. Yep, that's why I put them in there. <laughs> yeah. If I had to live with just one, it would be pizza. Pizza is the perfect food. Very good. All righty. Now, now we're going to get a little uh, philosophical, I suppose. We're going to dig deep into the depths of a little Philly. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> what, what is a decision you made in life that you wish you could go back and change, aside from agreeing to be on this podcast? That can't be your answer. 
What's something, and, and it may not be something that went wrong. It's a decision that you made. Um, I would have stayed in school. I dropped out of high school. I did later on go back and get my GED. But if I had to go back, I would have stayed in school and tried to uh, get through it. GED. That stands for get her done, right? Pretty much. There we go. Alrighty. So stay in school, kids. <laughs> you bet. Absolutely. Public service announcement. Staying in school. <laughs> um, so, okay, to the flip of that, same idea, but to the flip of that, what is a decision that you made in life that you would never go back and change? That doesn't necessarily mean that you're happy with the decision that you made, just something you're like, heck with it. I'm not going back and changing it. Accepting this lifestyle and the community. You would go back and, and oh, you would never, okay, so you would never go back and change it. Well, that's good. I wouldn't change Thank that. Thank God. I would have to agree with that one. To this day, now, my roommate is uh, is one of my best friends, and then there, there's another one. They're both, some of them, they're Niller guys. But aside from that, some of the deepest connections that I made, some of the greatest friendships that I have to this day, quite literally, are because I decided, you know what? I'm going to enter the community of this crazy thing called ABDL, and we'll see where it goes. And it's amazing. It, it continues to grow. It honestly, truthfully continues to grow. So I'd never go back and change that either. But while we're on deep thoughts, here we go. Checklist item number six. What's the last thing you thought about last night before you went to sleep and... What is the first thing you thought about this morning when you woke up? The last thing I thought about was that I have to get up early for work. And the first thing I thought about when I get up okay. this morning is, crap, I got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So thoughts of the immediate. That makes good sense. That pretty, makes very good sense. Pretty much. Mine is actually the exact same thing every night. I, I wish it was something different, only because I am a sleeping disaster. Like I literally set 15 alarms and then also one of those that has the two little bells oh, that dings. Oh, I know and this. That, I, I know this because I have slept with you way too many times to not, yeah, but to yeah, not know yes, this. But, <laughs> you were surprisingly gentle and I think I almost <laughs> killed you the last time because your alarm went off like literally 30 times and it kept waking oh, me God. up and I'm like, I'm going to kill yes. you. <laughs> oh, that's right. That, that was... um. I remember that because it was uh, the, it's the crazy frog ringtone. It's oh, like it's terrible. Like it does that until I turn it off. <laughs> I remember that. It is the worst ringtone ever. Yeah. And the sad thing is it doesn't work for a while. I'm like getting used to it. It's a little different now. Like I have a job now where for the, I think the first time in my life, I am nine to five Monday to Friday. So like it's Friday night right now. I literally won't be working again until Monday morning. And it's very bizarre. I've been at this for a couple of weeks now. I'm like, wow, this is what normal people feel like. You that also, is, that is, it's really astounding to me. I should also point out that you also talk in your sleep. So, yeah, and I can never, I never remember that. Like, I don't remember my dreams either. That it, it irritates yeah, me. Yeah, and and it's quite disturbing. Last time you were getting married to somebody, was I? Yep. Who? Oh, now I, I want to know who. I don't. I don't know. We asked you when you woke up, but you didn't know. Oh well, geez. Did I at least state who, like, you know, were you the best man and was Curry the flower girl? I don't did know. I, did I give those details at least? I don't know. Oh, gosh. But well, you... somewhere there's somebody that's upset with me. Well, Gee, you'll have that, I guess. Oh, well. <laughs> okay, so uh, what brought us together was ABDL. And uh, the name of the convention, I'm sure you can still say it. Nellycon. Nellycon. It was, in fact, a predecessor to what we do now. It's just what we wanted, well, you know, the present day convention to be. That's what we brought our hearts to. The, the Nellicon wasn't organized 
the way that it needed to be done in order to make it become what you and Curry and a whole village of people have turned TC into now. But we had that in our hearts. I'll, I'll remember it that weekend. I think that's something most folks can't deny. We just didn't know how to do it. We didn't necessarily have the right aces in their places to make it happen. But son of a gun, a couple of years after that, you know, uh, things got kicked up. So ABDL is why we met. Right. But you actually, you, you I, I played your Zorro movies for you. Yes, you did. I remember at Nellicon, I talked the guy who was running it into letting me have, I call the midnight showings, Zorro at midnight. They were both of the Antonio Banderas Zorro movies. That Friday night, we did the first one, The Mask of Zorro. And then that Saturday, we did the second one, The Legend of Zorro. And the whole reason this thing was even feasible is because dear Mr. Phil here brought all kinds of AV equipment and then this projector and blah, blah, blah. And he brought all of that stuff, probably for, for other wonderful reasons, but primarily because during the phone calls, when we were setting it up, I was like, I want to play these movies. And Phil, this guy within the conference call, I didn't know, said, I'll bring this stuff to make that happen. And lo and behold, we were watching them at midnight. <laughs> I think I left during the second one because I couldn't stay awake. Well, yeah, I don't believe it. The second one's horrible. Compared but... to the first one, they, like, they, they laid a big old goose egg with the second one. So I don't blame you. But there are things beyond ABDL that you get a kick out of, just in, in the kinky sense. I have seen you and Curry in action doing things that interest you beyond the crinkle and the pacifiers and all that. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to uh, just to tell us a little bit, like what are the other things that you get a kick out of aside from ABDL? Um, on the giving side or the receiving side or both? Both. <laughs> yeah. um, I like to top. I'm sadistic. I like to do fire play. I like to do electricity, wax, impact, quills, porcupine quills. Um, I dabble in a little bit of needles, flogging, that kind of stuff. You know, the typical things. I, I, I think I know what most of that is, but what is impact? What does that mean? Spanking, paddling, caning. Oh, like actual physical impact. Okay. Yeah. And, and I like receiving that as well. I've always been a Spanko. In fact, I actually... You've always been a Spanko? Always been a Spanko. Even when I was young, um, I was a Spanko. <laughs> so uh, that that was... It came along as part of it, it seemed to. I actually even built a spanking machine at one time. You built a... Sp goodness sake. So did you build this out of Legos? Is that what it was? <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was pneumatic. So it was... Um, it had an air piston and it would actually... Like swing the arm, it it would actually yeah act the piston would move in and out and it would swing an arm out that had a paddle attached to it. Oh and my god! The, the funny part about it though is um, this was when I was married and my uh, ex wife had came home at the time and I have this thing set up and she's like, "What is that?" I said, "It's a spanking machine." She... I'm sure that went over really well. <laughs> <laughs> and she died laughing because it made this noise because you know when an air piston moves in and out, it's like. Psh, psh, like it's this, you know, this loud sound right. of air entering and air exiting. And it, it was just, it was funny and she just couldn't stop laughing about it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good God. Um, all righty. Now I'll really put you on the spot. Maybe there isn't a favorite that you have. And you may have actually just answered it there. But of all the kinky things that you enjoy that are not ABDL related, what's the one that might be your favorite? If such a thing could be classified, is the one that's like, hey, I like this one better than all the others. Um, what do I really like? To, what's my most kinky thing that I really like to do? 
I have um, a guess. But I like, I'll wait until you give your answer. I like to cover people in peanut butter and then roll them in black oil sunflower seeds and then tie them to trees in the middle of the forest and let the birds and the animals come and peck at them. Well, that's fine. But the big question is, did oh, wait you a use creamy peanut butter <laughs> <laughs> or chunky? No, not really. But I know a lot of kinky people are like, oh, that's a good idea. No, don't do that. Um, no, probably not so much. No, not probably a not so much. smart idea. But no, um, <laughs> if it's bottoming, I enjoy spanking and impact myself. Okay. Um, if it's topping, probably fire. But Violet Wand is also right there. My goodness. I, I would have guessed the spanking. And the reason why is because I saw you take 160 swings from someone once. And you could have taken more, but I think she grew tired. Yeah, I've got myself in trouble a few times. I've I've been at some things and some people were there and, you know, they had some toys and I'm like, oh, that's a really nice toy. And they're like, oh, do you want to feel what it feels like? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. And, and you know, turn around and let them start hitting me with it. Only to find out that these people are very well-known people who are very sadistic and very heavy, oh, heavy, heavy players. And I wasn't aware of that at the time. So that's always been fun. And that's honestly been some of the best times I've ever had is been stuff like that where I didn't know what to expect. You know, I, um, I I think the best scenes that you can have in the community are those that are not overly pre-planned. Negotiated, perhaps, but certainly not planned. That yeah. does make sense because suddenly then there's like, my head would say there, there's like an element of surprise, which probably adds to some feeling, maybe just like some mental mind fucking, if you will, mind melting, however you want to call it. But like if you don't necessarily know what's going to happen, just that it's within these parameters, I could see how that would be something that folks would really crave in a situation like that. If that's something, it's up their alley. Right. And, you know, negotiation is very, very important in ABDL, BDSM. It doesn't matter what you're into. It's always very important. But, okay, sure. there's a sure. but. But once you know what you're into, once you know the people that you are hanging with and playing with some of that can go away and that's when stuff kind of gets fun like you know there, there are some people who are like i have to open my toy bag and show you every single thing that i'm going to hit you with <laughs> i don't want to see everything you're going to hit me with i don't really care if you want to bring your 1976 buick in and hit me with it i'm okay with that you know like oh <laughs> no but i mean honestly i don't yeah. i don't need that right. level of negotiation with somebody but I'm not saying that someone else sh shouldn't have that level of negotiation. If you're a brand new person playing, you definitely want to have that level of negotiation. If you're going to get tied up to something and hit with something, you should see what you're getting hit with. You know, you should right. see you should see what they have. Don't just, you know, say, well, I have a whole bag here of, of random things. Let me tie you up and I'm just going to start hitting you with them. You know, don't do that unless you've been well seasoned and you've been around and you, you know, know people and trust people. And but it takes a long time to get to that point. Let me share one little story. I was at one time on a St. Andrew's cross and I had what are called cloverleaf clamps. Basically, they're nipple clamps, but when you pull on them, they get tighter. Oh. And I had those attached to my nipples and they went through, they're on chains. They went through the cross, around the cross and under the cross, and they were attached to a lower region as well. Holy Moses. And what happened was the person tickled me and I wasn't ready to be tickled or I wasn't, you know, expecting to be tickled. I was expecting to be hit or something. <laughs> and and when I got tickled, it made me jump backwards and they ripped from the lower region. Oh, 
Oh, yes. Oh! And they took skin with them. Oh! And uh, this was in a dungeon. That, oh. This was in a dungeon space, and there was not a lot of uh, anything clean there, really. The only thing there that was clean was some rubbing alcohol. And we all know that rubbing alcohol can really burn on a cut. Oh, my. Well, let me just say it, it burns 10 times worse Oh, when it's on your balls. Oh, did you have a good time with that? Was that good for you? So uh, I'm no, sitting here you know, feeling the pain for you. No, it, oh it, it, it wasn't an enjoyable experience, but it's it was a story that I had to share. There we go. Now, now that I'm like preventing my spine from quivering a little bit more. You have mentioned the idea of negotiation. Okay. For folks, let's say, who have never negotiated, that means, okay, let me see what you're going to use on me here. But break it down a little bit more fundamentally. When you say negotiation, what does that mean? It's a conversation between two consenting adults who are going to do some sort of play. And, you know, the conversation should kind of go like this. It, it should include figuring out what you're comfortable with doing where you're comfortable being touched or not touched, you know, what that play should include. Um, if it's something like impact, what are you going to hit me with? Is there a safe word? What is your safe word? You know, if you're in a dungeon space, if you're in a public play space, the safe word is almost always red. And if you say red loud enough, other people are going to come and stop the scene. If you're playing privately, it doesn't necessarily matter what your safe word is, but if you're out publicly and you're in a public dungeon, the safe word is almost always red. And if you say that loud enough, other people will come. There's other things to consider with that, however. If you're going to be you know, blindfolded and gagged and tied to a cross, you, there needs to be another form of communication. So uh, drop signals, um, people actually will put in, in their hand something heavy, something that makes noise like a bell, and they can drop it, they can ring it. You know, if, if the scene is going too far. But in the negotiations, you're going to talk about everything that's basically going to happen in that scene. What you're comfortable with, what your limits are, and it's, it's a two-way conversation. Wow. Okay. There's a lot of guess that goes into it in that sense, just so that you know every, everything doesn't necessarily go the way that you think that, that it would. But it, it sounds more primarily that things don't go the way that you don't want them to. Because I could assume that would be anything but a pleasant experience. I mean, something being a bit of a surprise is one thing. Something not being good, just simply not being good. That Perhaps that takes folks and be like, yep, I'm not doing that again. And, you know, it's though though I'm sure the terms are different and though I'm sure the, the discussion will be different to an extent and to a fairly um, to a fairly big one, I imagine negotiations do exist within our four letters as well. Oh, sure. And they should. Yes. When within a relationship, like you and Curry don't necessarily have negotiations. No. You, you guys are, you're in a relationship, but you know, more than likely those things at one point existed. Even if it's just simple conversation, just walking into something and thinking, hey, okay, here's what it's going to be and here's what I'm expecting. And walking into it blindly and not having had those discussions, that doesn't necessarily lead to a good thing. And it makes very good sense to do that. But be like, let's say you go to a new job and uh, the very first day you show up and your boss says, OK, uh, here's your uniform. Put that on and then get to work without actually explaining something to you. Of course, it's going to be one heck of a situation for you. And it, it's not something that you want to take lightly. 
and, and I can encourage people to at least have open dialogue. And when I say that, I mean real communication. Right. Not just, hey, here are my thoughts. Hey, here are my dreams. But get down to earth about it and go through the nuts and bolts and explain. I do like the, the whole diaper thing. But when I say diapers, I'm really talking pull-ups because that does matter. And it matters to a lot of people. Just because I wear a diaper doesn't mean I use the diaper. Communication is the key to everything. I mean, it, it really honestly truly is. And the more healthier and the more in-depth that it is, the better. That's for sure. Right. And just to point out, every different type of play, you know, whether it's ABDL, whether it's they can have their own terminology, they can have their own types of negotiations. Like, for example, um, if I'm going to do fire on somebody, I'm going to ask them, are they wearing any perfume? Are they wearing any hairspray? Um, because those things will ignite and they will burn. OK, if I'm doing violet wand play on someone, which violet wand play is electricity. I'm going to ask them if they have any sort of implanted electrical devices like a pacemaker, defibrillator, insulin pump, anything like that, that, you know, potentially I could harm, you know, you're, you're going to ask specific things for, yeah. for specific types of play. Um, I was just given a couple, you know, general things and, and, um, and, and the same thing, like you just said with our specific thing, you know, it's like, I would like to use these diapers. I would not like to use these, you know, like you, you have to go into the different things. If you just say diaper, somebody could walk in with a cloth diaper and you're maybe you're not into cloth diapers at all. Like you have to be specific um, when you're negotiating and you have yeah. to be specific in the beginning stages of relationships and communications. You have to be very specific. Yeah, I can't encourage that enough of people because I could sit here right now and I could tell you for sure. I have a very, very specific list of things that I find interest in. I can't just say, oh, yes, the girl's in a diaper and this is great. Okay, that's one of them. That's for sure. That, that That's number one on the list. But there's a lot more to it. And everybody, just because there are no two people I've met who have given me the same origin story, some are similar, but it's always different. Everybody has specifics. Probably every conceivable thing about ABDL. Just for example, uh, everybody not only has specifics, but they could probably add a lot of, of adjectives to those specifics. It's something that they can pinpoint down to the most finite of details because they've sat and they've thought about it and they've looked it up and they've researched it and they've seen what other people are interested in. And they formulate things to the point where if they wanted to talk about absolute specifics with anybody, they have a plethora of things that they could talk about. So when it comes time to talk to someone, if you're giving just random statements like, well, okay, yeah, that's fine, just because you try to be the person that you think that person wants you to be, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I always make the statement that you're only ever gonna be half of something that is perfect for you. And if you want it to be perfect, if you want it to be something that works, then you need to supply that half. You don't just need to think about it. You don't just need to be shy about it. You need to open your mouth and do it. And believe you me, the other half will thank you for it. Being open, being honest, and stating it. Maybe not necessarily right in the first phone call. That's not how life works. Right. But really speaking. Like, oh, well, yeah, I like that a little. Okay, that's not an answer. That would be you making noise. Have the noise be something that has all kinds of details. Now, at the same time, I would say, Let's say you go there and I'm going to give a very specific thing and here's all these details and, it, and it's, it's, it's a bit of inundation for the other person. You have now overwhelmed them. 
don't also have the mindset that these are the things I'm interested in and you should be as well. No, 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 no. You are only half of something that is perfect for you. But you bring all those things to the table and the other person talks you know, of their specific interests. And that's where negotiation can be such an amazing thing. And it's all about communication. This is the perfect opportunity for me to plug my uh, Little Philly 101. Um, <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. So there is a document that exists that's called Little Philly 101, which is basically everything there is to know about me as a little. I wrote that a long time ago, and I have since updated it continuously. And doing something like that is really good because if you're going to get into a relationship with someone, if you're going to play with somebody, take the time, sit down, create your own, you know, whatever your name is, 101. Tell people what you like, tell people what you don't like, tell people your limits, what you're afraid of, what you're not afraid of, what your favorite snacks are, what your favorite cartoons are, your favorite movies, what's your, you know, what kind of diapers do you like, what kind of this, you know. Be very specific. I like to be tucked in for naps. I like to do, you know, like put as much information in there as possible. Put it in a, you know, an email, Put it, save it on your computer as a document or something. And when you're talking to someone for a possible relationship, you can send that to them and they can read over it and they can actually see, oh, wow, there's all these things, you know. And it's sometimes easier to send that as a document through email or what have you than it is even to sit down and talk about all this stuff. Like you could put things on there that may be more embarrassing to talk about. Um, so it's a good way to communicate. Yeah. And then ask the person that you're communicating with to do the same thing and have them send you a one-on-one on what they're all about. This is brilliant. That solves so many problems right there. People have trouble with words. You know, every now and again, we'll get somebody at the llama munch and we don't want to overwhelm them, but they're sitting there. They're very quiet. I look over. I'm like, hello, so-and-so. You having a good time? Because if so, don't worry about it. It's PA daddy's fault. I'll tell him to stop. Like, like I'll, I'll get them joking. I'll get them smiling. But I'm not going to, like, crowd them in. Folks just sometimes want to show up and just observe. And eventually, you know, they become a lot more active. But there are folks who really, really struggle with it. And what you just said right there, sometimes writing it down is a lot easier. And when you say, hey, you know what, possible partner, let's uh, let's do this. And I wrote this down. I would I would throw in the thought that when you say, may I send this to you? And the person's like, sure, send it to me. Explain to them, this isn't something that I just wrote down a half hour ago. This is something that I have spent years writing. That way the other person knows that this isn't you in crazy mode. Okay? But there is such power to that. There are things, like I would even go so far as to say, what are the things that really annoy you? Uh, what are the things that you cannot be without? Oh, right. They're Don't up, put long lists. Yeah. Like if I were to write Zoro Daddy 101, I would write socks on it. I've got to have socks. Right. That doesn't really affect our, you know, the, the daddy and baby girl within us, but that has to happen. Until I have socks, that's a problem. You know, right. like when I get cold, I've got to get warm. And I know we can go and be walking or okay, that's fine. But if I'm cold, that's something that, that really gets to me. And Putting a lot of that information in there, sitting there thinking about it, coming up with the wording, this is a great idea. And if you're somebody that struggles with communicating, but you've got all the love in your heart, here's a wonderful way to show that. And it's something that you're more than capable of doing, and you can do it at your pace. You're in charge of it. And you can go back and update it as as you learn and right. grow, grow and, and try new things. You can constantly go back and update it and you know add to it but yeah it's i mean i just gave like again i gave a few things but 
the things you brought up, like put down your fears, put down your, you know, your insecurities, your triggers, like, you know, that's on my list. Like there are certain things that I do not like to be called. It's on there. You know, there are certain things that scare me, like as little that I don't want to be around. It's on there. That stuff's there. It's important. What are your, you know, your security items? What are your things? What are your, what are your, what are your, you know, stuffed animals names? Your, your, you know. There you go. Like that you kind even, of information. Maybe you can include pictures of the stuffed animals. Sure. I have learned that Little Philly does not like to be called Pookie Buns. Well. I, I learned the hard way. That depends on who's calling <laughs> me, you know. Well, you know, there you go. This is like, this is the highlight of highlights right here. I had other stuff coming, and we'll get to it, but my God, this is so awesome. The 101 idea. With your permission, I'm going to write about this. I'm going to put a blog posting up on ZorroDaddy.com, and I might even post it in the TeddyCon group and maybe the Llama group and a couple other places on FetLife. This is so freaking awesome. It's brilliant. It resolves because there are people with so many social problems. And my gosh, you know, like they're like, I tried, and here's this, and here's that. And people, I, I would assume people that have social problems don't like to be told or reminded that they have social problems. But here is a way around every conceivable roadblock. You have absolute control of your ability to be social with someone because it is how you do it. It is how you write it down. And as you've stated yourself, things change about you. You've learned this. You've learned that. And update this document when you people write it. Update it. Right. If I were to start out, okay, I found the ABDL community and I were to write a Zero Daddy 101 document at that point, there are certain things back then that I never would have thought of that now I'm like, oh, heck yeah. It's not a deal breaker, but I really want it. So even I've grown. Everyone grows. Right. If you don't grow, there's there's like an absence of life. You know, We change with the times. We change with experiences. And that document can change too. This is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. Right, and how you communicate will change as well. This might be a neat idea for a class, perhaps at some sort of convention of the future. That's an, It's a really neat idea. It's, it's fantastic, like really breaking it down, really getting to the nitty-gritty about you and then presenting it in a manner that is healthy. Right. You know, cause and, maybe just writing, writing it all down and having it in front of you, that'll make people have the ability to write more easily, and that'll help when you get onto social media. Obviously, you have to be able to communicate like that. This but, is awesome. And I was one of those awkward people in the beginning. I couldn't talk about these things. I couldn't say the words. The words could not come out of my mouth at times. That's and true. You honestly didn't make much noise to start. I, I didn't. And I couldn't talk about these things. And I couldn't ask somebody to do these things for me. Like, I couldn't say the words. Like, going back to uh, when I was married, my ex-wife did not really appreciate the diaper part of things at all. Okay. You know, she was okay with some other stuff, but not really that part. And uh, she wanted me to go seek uh, counseling to a therapist. So I said, okay. I said, I'll go see a therapist. And uh, we went to see the therapist and we sat there and I could not even tell the therapist what it was we were there for. And I had to, like, she actually had to tell her because I couldn't say the words. The words could not come out of my mouth at the time. And that all changed. And actually that therapist was one of the people that really helped me change and you know the therapist actually looked at me and she's like well i think you're okay i think there's something wrong with her <laughs> so oh, gee. you know but <laughs> but now realistically and the therapist was like you should embrace this and go with this and and this all happened around the time of NellyCon, and that's what changed it for me things that i could say now i never ever ever could have said then well i'll tell you what this in itself 
might be worth having an entire podcast episode about. You know, talk with Kerry about that. Maybe that is something that we could do on this one, or, you know, maybe it is actually worth an entire episode on the Crinklecast in the future. It's a topic that, like, my gosh, we, we could have, like, subtopics to it. It's so absolutely fantastic. But I'm going to press you now with the next question, if you're ready for this. Sure. This is fairly in-depth, and this, this, this is, you know, it might go no deeper than this. Item number whatever this is. Here we go. Now, and, and this is, this is I want your opinion on this one now. Um, like, give me everything. Because we've had a lot of questions about this one. Here we go. Having so many diaper choices from so many different diaper companies, tell me what happens to your brain when you even think about all of the possibilities of diapers that are out there. It is something that you have a level of passion in, and I do too. I try to collect one of everything just to say that I have it. It's amazing right now how many different choices there are. And one of the things that I was always worried about growing up, especially as the baby diapers changed over from plastic back to cloth back was, you know, will there still be crinkly diapers at some point? For a while, they were all disappearing. Even the adult brands had all started switching over to cloth back. And we were hoarding diapers like a lot of us hoarded, hoarded them because we didn't know if they would exist in a couple more years. But now with so many companies out there, you can have whatever you want. And I mean, they're on Amazon even. I mean, there there are ABDL diapers on Amazon Prime. You could have them next day. So we're in a great place at the moment when it comes to that. Yeah, that might actually segue into a, a discussion we were having, which which in itself might actually be an, like a really great like lone theme for an episode. The things that formulated us, the things that gave us our specific interests, Things that might have just sort of been the trend or might have been the TV commercials or might have been what was the norm, I suppose. When we were younger in life, I think the question we were we were talking about the other day was how much of that has actually made the interests that we have now? I'm trying to think of the example that we were using then. We were using a peanut butter example. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's only one peanut butter that I eat, and that is Jif. That's the only peanut butter I like. If you bring me any other peanut butter, I don't want it. So how might that relate then to ABDL? You brought up a good example already. While pull-ups are nice, I don't really find much interest in them. I don't wear diapers myself. But when I put a girl in a diaper, I want her to crinkle. Right. But if that outer shell is gone, because here's the thing. There are a lot of folks now that are in their 20s and perhaps even in their 30s. And I, I don't even remember when some of those baby diaper companies decided hey, you know what? We're going to go to the cloth back, which actually, if you want to explain that, I wonder if a lot of folks understand the reason why some of those baby diaper companies did that. Um, one of the reasons were uh, mothers were complaining because when they were holding their babies, the diaper was against their arm and their arm would sweat. A lot of people wanted to get away from that. So the cloth back is the way they got around that. But cloth back diapers are actually still almost the same thing. It, there is underneath that cloth layer, there is still a PE backing on them. So it, it actually still is a plastic back diaper, but they have added a layer of what looks like cloth. And it's not cloth. It's actually just more plastic, but it's it's a non-woven plastic. So it appears to be soft like cloth and it doesn't sweat as much. It doesn't perform right. the same as a solid plastic backing does. Right. What's the company that does preschool as the diaper? Uh, that's ABU. That's ABU. Okay. If I remember this, and correct me here if I'm wrong, 
they would come out with the preschool diaper and the first version of it, if I'm not mistaken, was cloth back. That is correct. And then some folks were like, hey, what's happening here? And I think then they did make a plastic back version of it, right? That is correct as well. Okay, so now you have all these ABDLers. They're in their 20s, maybe even in their 30s, you know, like however it ranges. And whatever it was that some of those baby diaper companies said, hey, yes, moms, we hear you and we're going to we're going to attach the cloth to it. Now, suddenly you have a lot of folks who really aren't interested in the plastic back because they are perhaps remembering something where that was what they wore. I'm not saying they remember infancy, but let's say when they stole diapers or perhaps they had a younger sibling and they had access to diapers. The diapers that they had access to were cloth back, which now kind of translates into what it is that they are interested in. I'm wondering how much of that is the case. Like um, the term pull up, that's one specific brand. I almost want to say they have that term patented. Yes. To whatever extent, but like because I don't know if it's Pampers that calls them easy ups or training pants or whatever the case may be. Like that term in itself, even the word pampers, that's sort of woven into people's minds, the things that they prefer. And I almost want to say that's why I never get the same origin story. And I kind of think that's awesome. I, I don't ever want us to all be the same. I think that would be boring. I referred to it at one point in one episode prior as uh, I called it, wouldn't it be horrible if we all were stormtroopers, if we all were exactly the same? You know, all things that individualized us was gone. I kind of think some of these gatherings and conventions and everything else, it, it would be very strange just to see everybody you know, being the same about it and having the exact same interests. There's a sense of individuality that we all keep, and perhaps that came from changes along the way, things that were common when we were in our younger years. I don't know. Well, maybe that's the case. Maybe it isn't. Well, that brings up the advertising, and it's not necessarily what you were raised in, but it's what you were raised around as you got older and saw on TV, and maybe your brothers or sisters, like siblings, had whatever those diapers were in the house. It's not necessarily what you were raised in, because I actually think I was raised in cloth diapers. I don't think I was raised in disposable diapers at all, but my love is of disposable diapers, not cloth diapers. Because I don't remember so, back. Okay, I don't remember now. back to being a baby and, you know, whatever diapers I was in. I have no idea. Okay. That nursery that you had access to. Yes. Did it just strictly have disposables in it or was the cloth option there? No, th those were disposables. Only disposables. Yep. Okay. And that's what I remember at a remembering age that that was the diaper of the time. And then the commercials, they played into that. And that was one of my, uh, my thoughts on the advertising, how advertising helped shape us in a way. Pampers is a big one. Like, I'm still a Pampers fan to this day. I collect vintage Pampers boxes and vintage Pampers stuff, whatever. The advertising that they had, they were showing diapers not as the the rough part of diapers where it's, you know, messy diapers and blah, blah, blah. But they were showing diapers as this is if you love your baby, you're going to buy them Pampers, you know. Right. It's like the peanut butter. Yeah. Cho choosy moms choose Jif. That is, you know, Jif's slogan. It's been their slogan for quite a while. God forbid if a mom buys me Skippy, I'm going to be like, don't you love me anymore? Because you, you bought me Skippy. Why? Like, what did I do to deserve this terrible peanut butter? There's a lot of things that have been marketed to us that we don't even realize, and they stick. I think a lot of it, too, is the amount or the number of times that we see it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to just watch TV. Like, uh, if you're not paying for YouTube, when you get on there, hey, I want to watch this Christina Perry video. And before that can actually play, I have to watch this thing about Wix.com. Like I could tell you a lot about Wix.com from like the six seconds of it that I had to watch every single time in advertisement prior to 
whatever the YouTube video was. So like, but when you see things and when you hear it enough, it does stick in. Like for instance, um, I have a relative who works at a hardware store and they just switched over to, I believe it is Ace Hardware. Okay. And this is in just past couple of years. So I was having dinner and, and this relative says to me, tell me what you know about Ace. I said, well, they're hardware. As I can see the, the logo, it's red. Said, okay. What else? I said, well, I remember the jingle. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, da, 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 right? And they said, okay, what else? I said, I kind of think uh, the football personality, John Madden is their spokesperson. And this person says, now that's interesting because Ace has not used that jingle for 15 years. And John Madden has not been their spokesperson for 15 years, yet that's what people remember. It literally sunk into my head because I saw it on TV so many times. Right. So the things we want to retain that, you know, the idea of regression, you know, going back to some of those happy memories and experiencing them again now at a point in life when we can appreciate them. The head goes back to a lot of those things. What were the commercials that were coming on when we were watching Saturday morning cartoons? Right. Diaper commercials were mixed in there. You look at Pampers, for example. They have done such a good job advertising that some people actually call diapers Pampers. They don't actually use the term diaper. They call them Pampers. You know, oh, yes. referring oh, to yes. all the right, which, <laughs> yeah, we all like that. But they've done such a good job uh, branding that, you know, people actually have referred to all diapers as Pampers. It's like Velcro. Velcro is not what the product is. Velcro is the name of the company. Uh, Velcro is yeah. is hook and loop, right? That's it's called hook and loop. There's a hook on one side and a loop on the other side. And um, they had a funny video about it because they were going through trademark issues with that because so many people were calling everything that had what appeared to be Velcro on it. They were calling, oh, my Velcro shoes. Well, it's not really actual Velcro. It's hook and loop. It's some cheap brand. And, you know, and it happens with tools like channel lock. I need a pair of channel locks. Well, that's actually not what that tool is called. Channel lock is a brand name. One of the funny things, though, that I want to point out about diapers is both Loves and Pampers are owned by Procter & Gamble. And right. when they started out, Loves was actually the deluxe diaper. They thought Loves was going to do better than Pampers, really? than Pampers were going to be, and Pampers were actually the value line. So when when the company launched those two products, they were expecting Loves to be the flagship and be the ultimate product, and it was more expensive. And Pampers were cheaper. And at some point, Pampers, you know, were selling like hotcakes and people were so hooked on Pampers. Maybe it's the name itself, you know, Pamper Your Baby, Pampers. And it stuck and it went bigger than Loves ever did. And then Loves became the value brand. <laughs> and so, and it's still that way to this That's, day. And it, it's a really, it. and it's so smart because it's one company, but they own both of those. So they hit a market where, you know, you have people who can afford to buy the Pampers, which are probably the, the most expensive baby diapers, you know, except for, right. like, for like these new fab ones that are like natural and environmentally friendly. Those cost a fortune. Sure. But, you know, as far as the, the, the main brands, Pampers is probably the most expensive. And they offer Loves, which is cheaper than Huggies and Pampers and some of the other stuff. So they hit two different markets. They hit the people who can afford to buy the Pampers, the high-end stuff, and then they put out this other value brand to people who maybe couldn't quite afford it but still wanted quality product. Wow. It's just a fact. That's interesting fact. Yeah, it's, it's truly fascinating to me. Like, I always refer to soda. I don't say cola. The only thing I ever say is Coke. Right. 
That's really fascinating. That, that's my guy. Look, we should sit down. We should seriously sit down at some point, make out a whole list of these things and totally do an episode about that as well. So that's actually like the last two. Yeah, we got a whole bunch of podcasts in the future. Um, but here we go. Okay. Earlier, you mentioned that you do have interest in antiques. Right. So along those lines, what are some of your hobbies when not building furniture and fostering events of our dreams? What are some hobbies of Little Philly when Little Philly is just doing the Phil thing? Um, everything that has to do with tools. <laughs> just tools um, and okay. So uh, no, I I love. There's, there's a recurring theme. Okay. I love metalworking. Um, metalworking is a thing that I just love to do. Love to be in the shop. Um, love to do machining, uh, lathe turning. Like I, I, I miss my lathe. I don't have it where I'm at right now, and uh, it's it's in Pennsylvania. But um, just being able to take something and make something from a solid chunk of material and be able to turn it and shape it and come out with a part, um, it's a really satisfying thing to do. Now, aside from metal, I do woodworking. Um, I dabble in. A little bit of everything when it comes to mechanical stuff, like like electricity and plumbing. Oh. And my profession is actually plumbing, but just on a larger scale. I you know I I work with water mains and fire hydrants and you know a lot of large scale stuff. Those are some of the things I love. Um, I love cigars. Um, enjoy a good cigar. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> I enjoy uh, making cocktails, craft cocktails. Yes, you do, and you do you do a mighty fine job of that too. I like the art of it. I like the science of that. That's that's fun. Yeah, I think a lot of folks don't understand that. Like, like oh, I'll just toss these things together, and here's these different liquors, and here's a drink. Well, yeah, you could throw something together, and it would be alcoholic, but it doesn't taste right. It doesn't taste how it's supposed to taste, and it doesn't taste as good as it could taste unless you actually use the right ingredients, particular brands, perhaps. And if you're also using the correct amounts, when I took the bartending school, that was the first thing they said. They're like, it's not about the ingredients. It's about the amounts. And quite honestly, sometimes it's about the order that you put those ingredients in. Like, So there definitely is an art form to it, particularly something like a cocktail, a martini, a Manhattan, a Long Island iced tea for, for absolute sure. And just a lot of drinks of that nature. It is an art form. You're right about that. And and don't forget the. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You're you're fine. Don't forget the s'mores martini. Oh yes, the s'mores martini. One of my signature <laughs> drinks. So, absolutely, and that for, is a little Philly original. It, it truly is. It looks very sweet. Even roast marshmallows for the top of it. So you know, I no, I love antiquing. Um, I love going out looking for old stuff that I can uh, refurbish. I collect uh, vintage nylon and Tonka trucks. Uh, oh no kidding and yeah mainly construction equipment i have quite a collection of construction equipment so bulldozers excavators cranes cement trucks dump trucks that kind of stuff so you were definitely like the little boy that that created the standard of uh, just playing with the outside in the dirt with all the you know the earth moving toys right <laughs> yeah actually i set myself on fire as a kid because i set up a i had a little dirt area outside and i made this little arena you know for my hot wheels oh. And I was doing oh, the, God. essentially I was doing the ring of fire for the Hot Wheels to jump through. Oh, no. And when I finished, I went to kick over the pan of lighter fluid that I had lit on fire. And when I kicked it, it splattered back onto me and, and set my leg on fire. And, oh, my uh, God. Yeah. 
And so I'm standing there trying to like, you know, br- and that- <laughs> brush it out with my hand and it wouldn't go out. So I had to stop, drop and roll, which actually does work. So another lesson, kids, is stop, drop and roll really does work. If you are on fire, stop, drop and roll and keep rolling until the flames are extinguished. But anyway. Oh, my God. And that's this is why you're fair complected these days, right? Well, you know. <laughs> Even at that age, you were losing a layer of skin. But uh, yeah, I, was, I mean, I was doing a lot of stupid stuff at a young age, so a lot. I actually have 86 stitch marks in my body. Wow. And one, two, three, four, five, six. It's 86 stitch marks from six times that I cut myself. I fell on a fork or I you know, ran into something. The Actually, the only uh, – the 47 of them actually came from – I had some surgery on my neck when I was in sixth grade. I got a lump, and you can't really see it because I have facial hair. It's on the right side of my neck, right up where the, the hair is at. Uh, there was a lump. It just looked like a lump formed there, like you bump yourself and you get a lump, but it didn't go away. So I showed this to mom, and they were like, oh, my God. So they took me to the doctor. And like, this was apparently a very scary time. I didn't understand. They didn't let me on to it. I was like 12. But what it wound up being was one of two things, most likely. And they weren't going to know until they cut my chin or cut my face open and went in and took a look. It was either uh, the scarier of the two being cat scratch or no, not cat scratch fever. That was the easier of the two, cat scratch fever. Scarier of the two was Hodgkin's disease. And if it was Hodgkin's disease, that would have changed my life. But if it was cat scratch fever, which literally does come from that very thing, a cat scratching you, but also it can come to you from, uh, you can get it from a dog licking you. And my dog, Pretzel, when, when I was young, she licked me all over the face all the time. So they suspected that's where it came from. So I, they go in, they cut me open. And what the lump was, get a load of this, was a mass of dead white blood cells that rushed right to that part of my body where the cat scratch fever was going in and it attacked the cat scratch fever and it killed it. In the process, the white blood cells died too, but that's what the lump was. So they just pulled out a whole bunch of dead white blood cells and sewed me back up with 47 stitches. Had it been Hodgkin's disease, wow. com- completely different outcome. Didn't know. So like the idea of like scraping oneself and doing dumb things. I, I totally hear you there. <laughs> a lot of... Uh... A lot of things coming out on this episode here. I always like to say I'm WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Pretty much what you think of me. Eh, you may not be exactly right. Just based on what, what it is online. That's fairly close to who I am. There really isn't much that's otherwise. It's facades are something that you eventually have to lower. Which is why it makes good intelligible sense just to never have a facade. You know, this is who you want to be. So don't try to be somebody else. I've really lived my life that way. And that being said, when I do these podcasts, the format's very simple. I come up with some neat ideas, neat questions to ask based on, you know, who's coming on. But the first half of the podcast, I devote to getting to know them. Then, because the idea of of the one-on-one podcast is to possibly have disagreements, but to do so in a manner, you know, where both people kind of accept that they view it differently. Because that does seem to be a bit of a rarity, or at least in in certain situations. So we're at that point now where that was basically the last question that I ask about you. Now there is one or two others down the road here. But now I ask your opinion. So we'll call this hot seat time. There are about six or so questions left here. And we'll just plow right into them if you are ready, good sir. I'm ready. You are ready. Okay. First one is this. What are some things about the ABDL community that you absolutely love, 
to the point of obsession and elation. Things you love. Well, diapers for for, for one. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> you know, no, I, that's I, that's I, a that's a valid answer because a lot of the diapers we have did in fact come from the fact that we have a community. So that's a valid answer. Right. I, I have pretty much most of the diapers that are available on the market. I have a rather extensive collection. So, I mean, that's one. Oh, of, yes, you do. That's one of the yes, things I love. But uh, no, uh, to be to be more in tune with what you're asking, um, it's the people of the community that I think I find the most drawn to. It's the people themselves. Um, they're just normal people. They're, you know, everyday folks. And that, I think, is probably the coolest part of it. Call that the greatest love of all right there. There are a lot of things that come to be, a lot of gatherings, a lot of groups, a lot of websites were started by ABDLers. But it all does, in fact, come back to the people. Just the word community in itself, it's truly an amazing, that's the ultimate answer. I totally agree with you on that. So we don't disagree there. Great, gee whiz. But yeah, truly the people. (laughs) Now, I'm willing to bet you can probably guess by nature what that question was, what the next one is going to be. So here we are. What are some things about the ABDL community that you hate to the point of anger and frustration? Well, I'd have to say it's the people as well. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can't, you got to have both sides of the coin and almost everything in life. There's two sides to everything and people are no exception to that. And it doesn't matter that it's ABDL. It could be a stamp collecting club. It could be a group of guys who smoke cigars. There's going to be guys who are assholes, who always in disagreement with everybody, always, you know, you know, always have the right answer to everything. And um, it's the same thing in this community. It's people are also the problem. People are the reason we've come as far as we have, but people are also the reason we've had a lot of the issues that we've had. So, yeah, my answer is people. All right. Um, now, this one, uh, I will ask you this question. Now, do you, do you, do you agree you don't or don't want to answer you, it? Do you agree or disagree? No. Yeah, I would say that. I, I would say uh, people's personalities sometimes, people sometimes thinking that, or at least acting as though they believe they are more important than others. Disagreements, that's a good word to use, over things that are very trivial. Now, maybe they just sit, are, are things that seem trivial to me, but not to those people. But I think a lot of people not recognizing that, you know, there's a time and a place and you need to understand what the correct time and place is to air a grievance. Now, there are things that do happen where people are like, "Okay, I got to put a foot down here and it doesn't matter that we're ABDL community. It doesn't make any difference at all. This is a problem. Those issues arise. And you're right. They arise in all arenas of life. I would certainly say people and people's personalities and the phrase that people are people at the end of things when truly when I just have to agree that somebody has the right to be who they are, that's basically what I say. And I truly believe that people are people. What is important to that person is not important to me. And that's not always the case, but when it is the case, it is the case. I still respect that individual, even if they make it hard for me to respect them. And I respect that individual's right to have the point of view that they have. But I would truly agree with that one as well. Well, let me add something to that. One of the things, the common misconceptions, shall I say, especially with new folks that come into the community, is that we all need to be friends and we all need to get along and be absolute best friends and hang out together. And, and no, not at all. That That is so far from the truth. We are all different. OK, we all have 
things besides like we're all tied together because we have this love of diapers and crinkly things, right? But if that is the only thing that you share, there's not a lot of depth there. And, you know, like for me and you, for example, we, we share other common interests and things. That's how we have conversations. And if you look at a lot of our conversations and, and, you know, most of my friends in the ABDL community, when we have conversations, it's not really about diapers or about little stuff or about it's about other general life crap that, you know, because we can relate on multiple levels. Yes, it's nice to know people who are in the community and kinky and, and who share this one similar interest. It's nice to know them. They're acquaintances. They're people that you know. They're people that you can be friendly with. But it doesn't mean you have to be their absolute best friend and you that you have to, you know, go hang out with them. You're going to find where you fit in. A lot of people think, oh, I, I found this group and now I fit into this whole thing. And then And then all of a sudden they find out that there's these little groups of people that are and and we call them clicks sometimes but it's not even necessarily a click it's just you know here's these people who connect on multiple levels in other things and they they form this group of friends right and that's important for people to understand you're not necessarily going to be everybody's friend and you know that's something i just wanted to add to that you know we definitely must know each other because uh you just gave me the perfect segue into the next question. I'm going to use the word click, basing it on the negative connotation. Like this is a click, and stereotypically the belief is, oh, a click won't let you in. Or a group of friends give off that impression sometimes that they're not approachable. That's probably a fair way to put it. So along those lines, how would you say groups can prevent themselves from falling into that negative connotation of, oh, we're a click and you better not approach us. And this is with regards to, let's say, like on a website or perhaps at a munch or at a convention. How would you say uh, groups can be mindful? What are some things they can do to prevent themselves from you know, becoming another victim of that victims of that negative connotation of clicks? Well, it's an interesting question because I don't necessarily always think they're a bad thing. It's kind of based on what the content of the group is like if, if you're a munch group and you formed a click well then you should probably not call it a munch anymore you should call it the blah 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 family gathering be, you know like whatever the thing is because you're not really there to welcome in new people you're not really there to get to know people you're there to hang out with your friends your buddies and do your own thing don't call it a munch anymore at, at point in time it's not a munch you know, a munch is there for the purpose of people coming and meeting other people and everybody getting to know each other. It's not a place for a new person to walk into and have five people sitting there and nobody talks to them. If, right. if you're running a munch, when somebody new comes, everybody should be trying to talk to this person, get to know the person, welcome the person, the whole nine yards. Right. But right. if you post on FetLife, for example, ABDL people who smoke cigars, okay, well, then that's the type of people you're looking for. You're looking for other ABDL people who smoke cigars. You're being very specific in, you know, some people will say, well, they have a click. Well, it's not a click. It's it's a specific group. It's a specific purpose. It's It's got this, it's a more narrowed group. But clicks that form out of people who just decide, well, you know, we're going to be this circle of people and we're going to be kind of like the mean girls thing. I'm sure you've seen that movie. Now, that that's dangerous and that, and that can be a bad thing. And if you're in a group like that, then I say close your group off. Don't make it a public thing. It's something you guys want to do and you want to be with yourselves and whatever. 
don't have it open to where other people can come in because that's just not what you're about. If you want to have a click like that, close it and then go find people that you want to bring into it. But don't leave your thing open to just people who could come in and that you're going to sit there and ignore them because that's not right. Right. Like starting out is one thing and meeting a lot of friends and a lot of people becoming close friends with them. This is all great. And there are ways to do that. There are ways to take those friendships and have them grow. And you might well be able to have them grow within that original setting, but understanding what the original purpose was, let's say of the group or of the munch or of, of whatever it was, and always bearing that in mind uh, is certainly something to keep at the forefront of all thoughts. I put that question in because as of, it was like two weeks ago, I was having a discussion with PA Daddy and his wife, and we were talking about that very subject. We were talking about Lama, the munches here in Lancaster, and how we can keep them as munches. We're coming up on five years now, and there is the core. You know, you have the people who are there all the time, and when you see them, because we don't, it's not just once a month, we meet every two weeks. And when you have that core, and when you're constantly communicating with them, yeah, there's friendships that grow. They grow deeply, particularly because PA Daddy's really good with technological things. I'm calling him a lot, or at least early on, that's what it was. It's fostered a friendship now. But we had that discussion, like we took a look at ourselves as the Llama Munch. What can we continue to do to make it something that is wide open? And, you know, we took a look at, okay, you know, here are the common things that happen. And there was actually a change that we made where, you know, when somebody new comes aboard, there's a particular way that we make certain that they do get involved. And it's based on their comfort level. It's recognizing, okay, this person needs a little bit of time to get comfortable Whereas, like it was two months ago, a guy walked in, said, hello, folks, my name is blah, blah, blah. He got the ball rolling. He sat down, got right into conversations. That isn't always the case. But we need to recognize for folks who may not necessarily come in and say, hey, yeah, what's happening? How do we keep that munch open? How do we keep that munch from having that negative connotation of click? And five years into it, we have refined a couple of things just to ensure that the whole reason we started is still the reason we're doing it now. And that's actually the reason I put that question in there. Maybe there's nothing wrong with your group. Maybe you're not a click. Maybe you got it all there. But every now and again, just take a look at things and, and view them objectively and see what is the truth of the moment. There's nothing wrong with taking something and tweaking it and fine tuning it and keeping it what the original intention was, because the original intention is a good thing and, right. and it's something never to be lost. Right. And that's, that's something sometimes the munch leader is going to have to sit down with the people that come to the munch and say, listen, this group is becoming too much of a click. We're here to welcome right. other people. When other people come in, you're supposed to be welcoming them and remind them that, hey, you were in that spot at one point in time. You right. Know, at, at one point exactly. in time, you were a nobody. You were absolutely nobody. You were just some person who walked in and sat down. You were a nobody. And you have to kind of remind people sometimes of that. Otherwise, yeah. if it's a munch and stuff, it can get like that. It can get clicky. But there's also some responsibility that falls on the person coming to the munch. You can't come into something either and sit there and don't say a word and don't try because that also happens. And the same thing, like if you're going to an event, if you go to an event and you stand against the wall the whole time and then you leave the event and you go on FetLife and post, it was a terrible event. I had a terrible time. Well, you had a terrible time because you didn't put anything into it. You have to put yourself out there as well. Again, it goes back to there's two sides to the coin here. It's never a one-sided thing. There's always two sides to something. So you get out of something what you put into it. Yeah. I'll tell you this many years into it, when I see somebody new walk in, that feeling I get, it's the greatest feeling. And speaking of great feelings, 
This is a question that I will read to you the original wording, but I'm going to change it a little bit just so it's not necessarily so broad. The question was, what's the greatest challenge about an ABDL relationship? But let me personalize it a bit more because that's a very broad question that has no answer. So the new question is this. What's the greatest challenge about your ABDL relationship, aside from staying still when Mommy Curry changes your diaper? I would say that the greatest challenge within an ABDL relationship is balance and knowing when to give and take. Littles can take more than they can give a lot of times. and On occasions, yeah. Right. <laughs> You know, it's important to know that no matter how little you are, you're still an adult and you still have adult responsibilities. And I should say this depends on the type of relationship it is, of course. If it's just that, well, that's a little bit different. But if you're in a relationship that's more involved, then balance is very important because if you're constantly taking and never giving back, somebody is eventually going to wear out. And people are not the energizer bunny. Real life is not like that. You know, there's a lot of people who get hung up on, oh, I have to, I have to do this, I have to have that, I have to, you know, I have to have a crib, I have to have a nursery, I have to have all this stuff, blah 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 blah. blah. And the next thing you know, they're they're running amok and they end up with their relationship all messed up because they've put too much focus on this one thing. I love the community, I love diapers, I love the whole nine yards, but it's not the only thing in my life. It's definitely not the most important thing in my life. My partner is the most important thing in my life. And that's what people need to understand, and people need to keep that in mind. Well, already, sort of piggybacking right off of that thought, what is the greatest reward about your ABDL relationship and your relationship in general with Mommy Curry? Being able to be transparent, not having to hide behind anything, having somebody that you can say, hey, I'd like you to shove this zucchini up my butt, you know? <laughs> it's <a little> bit, <laughs> what, okay. you, you know, but being in a relationship where you can say whatever you want to somebody or talk about anything, or it's very rewarding to be in that position. Yeah, that's very true. I was engaged, well, actually I was engaged twice, but once in my life I was engaged to a vanilla girl. And the engagement taught us what an engagement is supposed to teach us. It's that we definitely were not meant to get married. The point of an engagement really is to take a little bit of time and think more seriously about it than ever before. Is this the one to marry or spend your life with? So that engagement came to an end. Now, I remained friends with that girl, as I have with all of them, except for one. And I would then not get into another relationship of any kind for seven years. So I was 25, ended the engagement, ended the relationship. And then I would not get into another relationship until I was 32. It's seven years I'll never get back. But for seven years, I wrestled with the thought that any relationship I get into as a part of introducing myself, maybe not on the first date, but very early on, it'd be like, hey, here's what I'm interested in. Okay. Now, at the time, I had written a couple of things, but it was just random stuff I put up online. I wasn't self-publishing things and writing entire books. And even at that moment, quite honestly, Zeke and Lily, I hadn't even dreamt them up yet when I met that person at 32. But I decided, okay, it's got to be somebody. Now, luckily, that person was, she became an ABDLer after that. And every relationship since then has, in fact, been with an ABDLer. It's this enormous secret I'm never going to have to reveal to them because it was on the table when we met. And quite honestly, the table we were sitting on either side of existed because of ABDL. And uh, it's a wonderful starting point, And it's something I didn't have to worry about for the first time in my life. It was really awesome. So now here's a tough question. We've both sort of had this scenario several times. 
and it never gets easier to see it. What do you do when a couple you are friends with breaks up? Because it tends to put a lot of people in a really tough spot. So uh, what is some advice you could offer up to folks who, who have been in that scenario as well or who may become in that scenario in the future? There's a lot of different thoughts on that, and it depends on what kind of friends you are with them and was there one that was, you were more a friend of than the other. Um, just because you are friends with someone in a couple doesn't mean you have to remain friends with both people in the couple. It's one of those things. There's a lot of a lot of different possibilities there. I don't think you should try to get involved in it, for one. I think you should stay out of right. whatever it is and kind of just allow things to settle down and see where they fall. It doesn't also mean that you should turn your cheek from people completely either. It's a tricky situation. It kind of depends on the relationship. Obviously, if you're friends with somebody and you're really good friends, the fact that they break up with their partner really shouldn't affect your friendship. It doesn't mean you have to keep being friends with their partner, but if you want to keep being friends with their partner, that's okay too. Sure. It's a broad question. There are a lot of variables that could or perhaps don't get thrown in there. It also has a lot to do with, though you do want to reach out to both of them and be like, hey, I realize this has happened to you guys, but we're still friends. Keeping that possibility of communication, keeping that channel open. But then ultimately, if you were friends with both of them and only one of them contacts you and the other doesn't, well, you, you really can't twist their arm. Uh, maybe, you know, a portion of the breakup has to do with them moving on and being selective. You know, as a couple, they were selective together. Well, now it's going to be individual. It's going to be the one and it's going to be the other. This has happened a couple of times. I like to at least be a sounding board for them. Because I think a lot of times when somebody feels something and they feel it deeply, and I'm not innocent of this either, we tend to splurge how we are feeling online. And sometimes when we do that, it doesn't necessarily come off in a really great way. It can be a little bit too much and people see, my gosh, this person is hurting and they're pouring out their soul and they're doing it online. And it's because they're hurting. Others may look at it and be like, oh my God, get over it. I tend to look at it as the former. And when somebody contacts me, I, I like to be someone whom they can vent to. Started off saying, let's keep this confidential. Let me give you the ability to say what's on your mind without you getting onto a website or Facebook or without you getting on somewhere and venting your mind there. We'll continue to talk, especially if you actually understand what it means when I say confidential, meaning you don't go running off and, oh my gosh, I, I spoke with Nate. And here was it. Well, if you do that, we're not talking again. But I like to give people the ability to talk about how they're feeling and to make a little progress each time. I always encourage that. Like vent to me the same thing you want to vent to me. Do it a hundred times. But every single time you do it, there is progress you need to make. And if you can't figure out what that progress is, don't call me. Not until you know what it is that you're going to get out of saying it yet again. And there is always purpose. Right. There is always purpose in something like that. And when somebody's having a rough time, and if you're somebody that has a rough time, and this is a broad statement too, but if you're somebody that has a rough time, always understand whether you're just speaking with a stranger or if you're speaking with a partner. Actually, we both know him. Life at 200 miles per hour once made a statement to me about this. He says, somebody who has a problem, who comes to you with the problem, they should never keep more than 50% of their problem on your shoulders. And if they're just dumping it on you, he says, that's when you got to say, okay, hold up a minute. I'll help you with this, but I'm not going to fix it for you because you cannot fix other people's problems. You really can't. You can be supportive and you can be loving, but you can't fix it. 
because it isn't you. And he was absolutely correct about that. And I've always bared that in mind whenever I speak with a friend that's having a rough time. Tell me what it is, but start from the beginning and understand I can listen and let's keep this confidential. I, I guess just sort of keeping the channels open. That's the best advice I can give. It doesn't mean it's correct. It's just simply my opinion. But yeah. So dear Mr. Little Philly fella guy, sir, I am going to put this right in at the end. And I want you to know that you're not the only one that will be subjected to this. Curry will be subjected to this too. But you have to take it. Okay, so deal with it. This topic is called Without You. It's not actually really a topic. It's just something that I want to say. Without you, little Philly, in this community, we would not have the ability to have amazing memories, or at least not the amazing memories that you have made happen. What people don't know is what you and Curry go through every year. And I'm not going to give specifics. You guys don't give specifics. The thing is, whenever we go off, we're like, oh, hey, you know, Phil and Curry, my gosh, whatever, everything they put into it. I, I think what people need to understand is Phil and Curry aren't saying that. You know what Phil and Curry have said about what it is that they put into an event like TeddyCon? They say absolutely nothing. And the reason why is because they are doing it for one reason and one reason only. So you guys can have a convention. But without you, Philly. Without you, there would be no TeddyCon. Without you, there would have been no Zorro movies at midnight. Every single moment since the day I met you, you have always been someone who gives. And you give until the point that it physically hurts you. And then when you are completely drained and exhausted, you dig down deep. You find a way to come up with just a little more gusto within you so you can give a little bit more. You never stop giving. You are one of the most altruistic human beings I have ever met in my life. And all of it may have just come to be because of happenstance. Maybe it was because of a uh, Northeast PA Littles group that I tossed you in charge of and then ran away. But ultimately, <laughs> it is because of you. That group grew. And then you started another one. And then, then you have the Teddy Munch. And you bring everybody to Knobles, come to Knobles, and Here's all of this food on this grill, and here's all these other condiments, and here's all these other things, and then, hey, maybe there's a picnic at the end of the summer. And all of that stuff came out of your pocket, and it came out of Curry's pocket, and you drove a long friggin' distance. People don't drive up to your backyard. You go through all the logistics. You go through headaches that no human being in the world should have to go through, and you continue to do it, and you continue to find new ways. And even though there's this amazing, amazing wonderland of all of these things that you have built in this convention that you not only have planned but implemented and you and Curry have made happen, even though it's already an amazing wonderland, I get on the phone with you and you're thinking of the next great thing that you can come up with just to give people everything that they possibly could hope for and want and continuing to grow it every year, taking suggestions constructive suggestions, I might add, that people have made and working with them to try and make them um, a reality. Maybe not every suggestion is possible, but if it is possible, with a bit of help from God Almighty, you will somehow find a way to make it work, even when it is at your expense, even when it is something that has somehow made you have to give something else up, you will do it. And without you, not only do I not have one of the greatest friends I have ever had in my entire life, but this community, though it would still exist, would not nearly be as friggin' awesome as it is. And on behalf of the community, on behalf of Zorro Daddy, 
I cannot thank you enough. And I want you to know I will continue to embarrass the ever-loving daylights out of you and Curry whenever you guys are foolish enough to give me the microphone. And I'll tell you why. Because you deserve it. Though you will disagree with me, that's okay because we're allowed to disagree. You guys deserve it. And this community owes you such an amazing thank you. We cannot say it enough. Things would not be as awesome as they are without you. So that being said, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, no, no, I, what's that? I don't know what to say. Um, well, good because I'm not giving you time to respond. All right. <laughs> As we're beginning to wind things up here, what are the best ways to get in touch with Little Philly? And there's, my gosh, there's organizations you can contact off the top of your head, all the different ways. How can somebody contact you? I'm going to go backwards first here and reply to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> even though you, oh, you little tour bracket, I knew it. You probably don't want me to, but no, I, I those words really mean a lot to me, and I, I appreciate that so much. And I, I've appreciated your friendship more than I can explain in words. And um, it's not about me, and it's not about Curry. It's it's about the people and it, the community. Um, it was there for me, and I want it to be there for other people, and I want other people to be able to experience some of the things that I experienced early on, and that's why we do it. It's it's not for any other reason, and I thank you for those kind words. If you're trying to get a hold of me, best way really is FetLife. I'm Little Philly on FetLife. That would be 12 letters straight. L-I-T-T-L-E-P-H-I-L-L-Y. There's no spaces or underscores or any of that, right? Nope. Nope. It's just straight up little Philly. Feel free to drop me a friend request or uh, you know send me a message. I also have a second profile on FetLife, which is Gentle Storm, and that is G-E-N-T-L-S-T-O-R-M. That is my more adult side, which is more bdsm and stuff. So I have two different profiles. I kind of keep things separated. You can find the Crinkle Casts on FetLife. You can also find Teddy Con on FetLife. You can find the Teddy Munch on FetLife, which is our munch that we have in Northeast Pennsylvania. We do it about three times a year now because it's tough. it's a lot of work. It's gotten really yeah. tough to do it as a monthly munch. So we do like three big things. Usually, uh, you know, we do the Knobles thing. We do a picnic and we try to get something else in there if we can. So we have that. We have uh, crinklecast.com. We have right. www.teddycon.org. That's .org. That's an important thing. It's not teddycon.com. It is teddycon.org, O-R-G. That's correct. There's also uh, the TeddyCon group on FetLife. Right. And there's a TeddyCon profile. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. There's lots of ways. Right. There's a TeddyCon connections group. I don't know. We have some other That's groups, right. too. There's a bunch of stuff. Lots of ways to find me. Excellent. Basically, if you just put a bag of gummy bears somewhere, and I'll probably find you. Yeah, that's right. He'll be there in five minutes. Normally, this is the point in time when I give a final thought, but I think I already have. And for folks that actually listen to this one-on-one podcast, I thank you. And I always like to end every single one of these podcasts with a statement that is a little something sweet. And it sounds a little something like this. There are always dreams to be dreamt, fairy tales to be told, happily ever afters to be pursued, memories to be made, that constant yearning to find completion, the greatest passion yet to be found, that deepest love yet to be discovered, that perfect story to be written, and the opportunity awaiting 
to feel it all again and again. Blessings to you all. Until next time, take care.